Three years ago, Caleb Love came into North Carolina as a freshman and projected one and done, but here we are in the 22-23 season and he's still around. Why so? We're going to talk about it all on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen and your first watch every single day. Don't forget, this is the only daily Tar Heels show out there, and so we are honored that you would check in with us every day. With me as he is every Wednesday is the man coach, Pat Kilby, who's getting ready to start back to coaching and school next week. Pack our, our thoughts go out to you, brother, as the school year gets going. Uh, and as we said today, we keep on going with our roster preview series. If you haven't been checking it out, man, we're well deep into it. Caleb's the last junior, and then we'll get on to the seniors in the coming weeks. I'll post the link to the playlist so you can watch back all the rest of them. My man, Pack, this dude, Caleb Love, has been something of an enigma for the Tar Heels, but... I think you and I both think he might have gotten it figured out his sophomore year, especially down the stretch. Why don't you kick us off? Just give us a little bit of his bio and his stats from last year. Yeah, so Caleb, um, he's going to be a junior for the Tar Heels this upcoming season. Uh, position is primarily shooting guard, which has um, kind of been a, a subject that's been talked about quite a bit amongst Tar Heel fans. He's kind of been moved into that primary two spot. Um, six foot four, got a great frame, 200 pounds, which is up five pounds from last year, which is awesome. Love to see that getting stronger and putting more muscle on. Repping number two, as many past Tar Hill guards have done. Great number. Looks good in the Argyle, too. Uh, Twitter handle at Caleb2Love. And then Instagram handle, y'all check this out Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm Dude, I, he must have signed up for Instagram and like when it first came out. Like, how do you? Yes. Do that? Dude, I don't know. Like, I, I've always been it because my both my names, Isaac and Shade, are so unique. I've always been able to just get Isaac Shade for everything. But I mean, he's on like share level and Prince level. That's what we're talking about here. But with Caleb, it's such a common. I'm so jealous. What, yeah. If I need to ask it like, bro, how did this happen? Your thoughts. And uh, we'll figure <laughs> that out. Um, I'm so he, either, he had to buy somebody out or he was just super quick to get on to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing he bought somebody out, but with yeah. some NIL money now, maybe he could buy somebody out and that'd be awesome. So uh, what, what, let's look down at his stats from last year, some of his career highs and season highs, but what stands out to you, Pac? Yeah. So uh, 39 games played, 38 games started. Uh, the only time he didn't start was senior night. Ryan McAdoo took his spot. Uh, he led the team with 34.1 minutes per game. That's, that's, that's a lot of minutes. That's a lot uh, of and minutes. I know we'll, we'll dive into it some more, but I think that'll come down uh, this year, which will be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, points per game, 15.9, second on the team behind Mondo. Uh, 3.4 rebounds and 3.6 assists. Um, single game high of seven assists at Virginia Tech. Now, this one really stands out to me. It's 2.7 turnovers per game, uh, seven versus Louisville. 
seven. Man, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Thank the Lord, he got better uh, <laughs> at taking care of the basketball. Um, plus minus total, plus 290 on the season. Uh, plus 34 at BC was his highest. But you got to think the very back stretch of the season really boosted that plus minus number. Uh, just yeah, I'll pull it up while while you're talking. I'll I'll pull up his individual game numbers. Yeah, he uh, he he. I'm just guessing. Like I said, I haven't seen it, but I would imagine that really spiked towards the end. Thirty-seven point one percent field goal percentage, thirty-six um, percent from three, and eighty-six point three percent from the free throw line. So Caleb, get to the free throw line more often. <laughs> no joke. Uh, yeah, just while you're paused here, uh, in the six games of the NCAA tournament, plus 28, plus 10, plus 7, plus 22, plus 2, and then Kansas was minus 8. So, yeah, he had some some big showings in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament there. Yes, plus no minus. doubt. Yep. Yep. And then the other thing that stands out um, on Caleb's stats, 93 total made three-point field goals, which is sixth most in single-season uh, UNC history. So that's uh, just just a huge jump, really, from his freshman year, which you'd love to see, and hopefully we see another jump. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he poured in uh, – he just had 34 threes his freshman year when he was shooting 26.6%. Yep. <laughs> Yikes. That's down there. Yes, it is. But, hey, you know, we've, we've talked about how our depth needs to develop and how some of these guys need to become better shooters, and it just – kind of gives you a little bit of a sense of relief knowing what our staff did with Caleb in the offseason. And, of course, Caleb did a lot, too. He put in the work and uh, did what it took to get better. But I'm sure I'm confident that our staff had a lot to do with that. And so when you look at guys like Puff or Dontrez or, you know, whoever that needs to improve their three-point percentage, that's got to give you some confidence right there. Yeah, absolutely. You would think that is just going to continue – to climb. And, uh, I was going to say this later, but just while, while we're talking about those percentages, one of the, I was looking at his jumps in his shooting numbers, um, from his freshman year to his sophomore year. And listen to this pack. This is crazy. Um, his field goal percentage increased 5.5% from freshman to sophomore year. His three point field goal percentage increased 9.4% and his free throw percentage, which was already at 80% jumped up 5.3%. So all three of those shooting metrics, field goal percentage, three point field goal percentage and free throw percentage all jumped by at least five percentage points from freshman to sophomore year while adding a higher volume at all three, uh, statistical categories yeah wow that's really impressive and then you know the coach in me can't help but think of some of the wild and bad shots that he took so if he can improve on some of that decision making that we can see another bump and yes <laughs> yes absolutely so um anything else from his stats uh that, that really kind of stands out to you before uh we keep going well, the one thing that I'll say about just his stats and just Caleb in general is a lot of times that I've picked up on Caleb, he really needs to get going downhill and get to the basket and mm -hmm. get to the free throw line before he really starts to get going. And free throw percentage, 80, 86.3%. <laughs> I mean, it just says, you know, sometimes players just need to see the ball go through the hoop. And yep. I would love to see Caleb have – an attack first mentality coming into this next season to really get himself going. Yeah. Uh, yes. 100%. 100%. And right now, I mean, he is top 10 in 
Carolina career free throw percentage. And so um, that's a dude you want at the line. And uh, th- I mean, goodness, this team as a whole last year was just absurd. And uh, he's the head of that snake. And so that's great news. Absolutely. Uh, I love all that. So let's talk more in just a second about his uh, his strengths, his weaknesses. And uh, we'll have our Coach Davis end of season interview as we always do. But first, let me tell you all a little bit about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. There's also reviews and news from every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Pac, so we got into this just a little bit as we started talking um, there with Caleb's stats, but but let's do look specifically at his strengths, his weaknesses as they stand now. As we've said, we saw some jumps last season, and so some of these things that we're going to talk about, he might come out um, in in October and we're like, hey, he, he's got these ironed out, and that's great. But as of now, with what we know um, heading into the season, let's talk about those strengths and weaknesses. Sure. Yeah. So first thing that stands out is something we all witnessed in the NCAA tournament. The man is a straight microwave. And what that means is he can get hot and stay hot really quick. And uh, he can score in bunches and in a hurry. And so um, that, you know, that stands out first and foremost. The other thing that stands out to me with Caleb is Caleb is a guy that's not afraid of a big shot. He's not afraid of a moment. In fact, he he wants it. He embraces it, and I think he feeds off of it to an extent. And so, uh, to me, I look at that as a coach. I look at that as a positive. I would want guys that want the ball. I would want guys okay. that want to play. And so, uh, that's a strength, in my opinion. Um, and then, you know, the other thing about Caleb is, at least in the second half of the season, he proved to be consistent in this. And so, I'm going to go ahead and list it as a strength. Is Man, and when we need someone to score, he's kind of that guy for us. And he gets us going, and he's a plug. He's energy. He's um, He gets the crowd into it. You know, that's kind of – I feel like Caleb and RJ are both very um, big-time players, but Caleb kind of gets more of the love because he plays to the crowd a little bit more, and I'm not going to lie. I like that myself. I like <laughs> that he involves the crowd and that he, yes. he brings the energy. And so – uh, now, don't get me wrong, part of Caleb's weakness that we'll get into here in a minute is that he also rides the negative emotions of the game. He does. Um, but I do love the energy that he brings to the team. So let me ask you that, Pac. You talked about, as a coach, you love a guy who's not afraid of the moment, who's not afraid of a shot to take a big shot and make or miss. I want the ball in my hands, which, as you've already alluded to, can also be him taking too much on his shoulders. But um, when when Caleb wears those negative emotions on his sleeve, which, as you said, he is wont to do often, um, as a coach, do would you prefer – I'll give you three options – him to figure it out himself, a teammate to pull him out of that, or would you like as a coach to be the one to do that? Well, 
That's a tricky question because, to be honest with you, um, to an extent, you have to have all three of those things. And I'll just lay it out like this. Um, the coach sets the standard for a culture. When a culture is set, the players lead the way. Hmm and players mature and grow enough that they can pull themselves out of things. So there's a little bit of all three of that. Now, preferably, if your culture is where it needs to be, um, I would say, you know, I would answer that with a player pulling a teammate out would be the best thing because yeah. that means you have uh, a player-led team, which ultimately is the goal. Um, that's what sports are for at any level is to develop leadership and mold men. And so – um, to see that from from teammates is is what you want to see as a coach, uh, but you also want to see players grow up and realize it and pull themselves out too before it ever gets to that point. Absolutely, and and hopefully that's the maturity that Caleb is able to find heading into what is probably going to be his final year in Chapel Hill. Although we've said that all three years of his college career so far, I'm I'm and that makes me wonder who is that teammate because Leaky is the natural candidate, but he's not been that type of vocal leader. Um, I just, I feel like RJ isn't the guy to do it. I just sometimes think they just have this weird dynamic. So I, I wonder if it's Mondo um, stepping in so, to do that. Interestingly enough, um, when I would go watch practice uh, some last year, you know, with, with Brady being there, yep, yep. I, I found Mondo to be more vocal than what I realized. Interesting. And I'll tell you this, RJ Davis is a great communicator and we might not necessarily see it as much on the court, which is hard to do because, you know, we're watching through a TV or from the stands, we don't hear and see everything that's going on. But RJ is very much a vocal leader. um, And that really shocked me. Hmm. Uh, But a lot of times you, the reality is practice is where most things are developed. Uh, especially trust between players and trust between coaching staff and players. And so what I saw showed me that RJ is kind of the vocal leader. And then I would say Armando was right there with him. Interesting, man. That'd be good. And I'm also interested. Pete Nance seems like just has that type of temperament and demeanor where I think he's going to be immediately well-respected by his teammates. Yes. Yeah. He seems to fit in great with them already. And then, obviously the leadership and seniority that he brings. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, I I love what you talked about with with Caleb's three-point shooting, especially down the stretch. He made six threes three times in the final 15 games of the season, including twice in the NCAA tournament, um, in the first game against Marquette, and then in in the UCLA game, which, by the way, to me, is a huge example of him not being afraid of the moment. Like, I think that UCLA game might be the most overlooked game of the NCAA tournament um, for Carolina just because there were so many other big things. You know, you had the first one against Marquette. It's the first game. The Baylor game and all its craziness. The St. Peter's game because it's St. Peter's. And then the Duke game. Hello. And then the national championship game. And so this game against the, the team that has the most national championships out there is perhaps the most overlooked. But it's the team coming off a of Final Four. It's the team that returned just about everybody. And listen, without Caleb Love's insane performance in that game... Carolina isn't even uh, playing in the Elite Eight. And so, um, to me, that that game is is in a nutshell what you're saying about, like, I need a dude who's just, when he's hot, is just going to go do it. Yeah, yeah, and not and he's not afraid to do it. Um, 
And so, yeah, he's, he's never afraid of that moment. He'll go get a bucket if he has to. And that's one thing that I was really proud to see from him down the stretch was just a willingness to do what it takes to win, Yes, which at some point in times earlier in the season and then back to his freshman season, we missed out on. But yeah. that's growth and maturity. Man, I love that. Okay, so, Pac, let's move to talking about Caleb's weaknesses as we see them. And and I think it's going to line up with the Coach Davis meeting. So let's just wrap all that into one here, and let's have our Coach Davis meeting. Be Coach Davis. Tell me as Caleb, hey, brother, here's three things I need you to work on this offseason. Yeah, so first of all, it's got to be consistency. And um, consistency in two different realms. First of all, consistency in leadership. We can't, you know, be, he's a guard. He's expected to be an extension of the coach on the floor. And so um, there's in any game, whether you're the better team or not, there's ebbs and flows, there's ups and downs and guards and extensions of the coach are expected to be level headed and they're expected to pull their team through that. And so I would like to see more of that from Caleb, uh, less, less up and down and more steady across the board. Mm. Um, the other thing is decision-making. We yeah. saw an yeah. improvement down the second half of the season. Obviously, 2.7 turnovers per game is way too much for one of your starting guards to be averaging. So um, I'd like to see turnovers decline and then assists increase. Um, mm. And if nothing else, just just good decision-making with the basketball. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, with his ability, Yashi's so good at creating and getting to the rim, and he's so strong he should be able to to make good decisions with the ball and find his teammates and put, put teammates in position to succeed yes. and to score. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, and this is kind of plays straight into what I just said, trusting his teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know that there's a distrust, uh, but there's a, and I don't want to call it a selfishness either. It kind of, kind of comes off as that sometimes with bad shot selection um, or forced shots, but I would like to see him just involve his teammates more because of his ability to create. If he could find a way to do that, that would benefit the Tar Heels. Yeah, and it's got to be so hard to balance that with when we need a bucket, go get it, and he has that capability. So it's like you got to keep that self-confidence, but I'm, I'm tracking it exactly with what you're saying. It's it's like he takes too much of the weight of the world on his shoulders. And it's like he's reverted to high school where maybe he had to be the dude at times, whereas now he doesn't. And so it's almost like you, you just want to just take him by the shoulders and say, brother, I love you. You're a phenomenal basketball player. So are the rest of these dudes. And you don't have to do it all. And um I, to me, that is the one of the big things that's holding him back from being able to make the leap into the draft. I'm right with you on all yeah. that. And, you know, we kind of saw, not to bring this up, it's just terrible for all of us to think about, but we kind of saw the worst-case scenario in the national championship game. It was kind of that, uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to will it to happen. And, you know, look, you know what I was saying in the stands? He's done it all along. And so, like, throughout the NCAA tournament. And so it was kind of one of those things where, as a coach, it's like, well, you know, he got us there, so I can live with it a little bit. But at the same time, if it's not falling, it's not falling. You either got to get to the rim, you got to get to the free throw line, or you got to involve your teammates. And uh, he just didn't do that as much as I would have liked to see. But, hey, he's going to grow. He's going to continue to learn and figure those things out. 
Yeah. Uh, just to put it in uh, numbers for everybody, looking back at, it, at his box score, Caleb Love was 5 for 24 from the field, 1 for 8 from 3, 2 assists, 4 turnovers, minus 8 on plus minus in the national championship game. But in three other games in the NCAA tournament, he had 23 points, 30 points, and 28. And so just like you're saying, it's like, ah, as, as a coach, that's such a tough spot to be in. And, and you want your you want your shot makers making and taking shots. So, yeah. uh, man. And then, hey, so, real quick, I'm sorry. Yeah. Real quick, no, go, I, go. Two things I missed. I just want to touch on uh, weaknesses or areas I want to see him grow. Uh, number one, I felt like Caleb had multiple opportunities to take charges last year. And here's how I look at this. You know, not everyone's a fan of the charge, but this is the way I look at it. A charge, we call it a slam dunk on defense. Like it's an energy wow. boost. The teammates get fired up. The bench gets riled up. And it's a turnover. It's a you know a win for your team. And so I'd love to see him step in and take some charges. And then just improvement in ball handling. Uh, yeah. That's one area where, like, especially if, you know, if RJ's out um, or, you know, just look at the Baylor game. One of our guards had to step away. They were pressing like crazy. Gosh, we needed some ball handlers out there. And Leaky's throwing love- the ball off the backboard. It's a whole thing. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to see him improve that area. Yeah. That's great, man. Yes. Thank you for getting those impact. I think those are important things to be reminded of as well. So then let's leave all that and take it and look ahead to this coming year. Um, similar to what we said with RJ last week, I think we basically know what RJ or excuse me, what Caleb's role will be this year, but let's do unpack it a little bit because there's some interesting nuance to it as we try to figure out this this RJ Caleb duo in the backcourt and what that actually looks like. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week with RJ is there was a back and forth. Caleb was kind of the predominant one and RJ was the two and there was some switching them around and we finally settled and RJ was the one. It was clear he was the better point guard and Caleb was better off the ball and they finally seemed to settle into their roles. And so the expected role moving forward, in my opinion, is, for Caleb to be just totally confident in his role as a starting shooting guard. Um, he's going to be getting, in my opinion, he's likely going to be getting a high volume of shots, which is the same as last year. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be, you know, another extension of Coach Davis on the floor. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. That, that's what we need from him. Interestingly, I, I was listening back to an interview with Coach Frederick um, earlier this week. And it's funny because I think to us outside the program, it looks like the delineation is very clear between RJ and Caleb as the one and the two. But to hear him say it, it's it's not as clearly defined internally. Um, and he talked a little bit about it being almost matchup based or, or whatever works. But I just I feel like as we get into the season, it's it is going to be really clear. Like I almost want to chart how many possessions off a made basket or something is RJ the guy or how many outlets are going to RJ over Kale? Like, it just seems like I, I just, it was interesting to me to hear him say that. I was like, really? I, I don't think that's how it turned out on the court, but you know. Yeah, that is interesting. And I'm, the only thing maybe I can see is I've heard that they're being a lot more focused on transition this year and creating buckets early. And so maybe that's a point of emphasis is 
okay, we've got Leaky, we've got Caleb, we've got RJ, and we feel comfortable just outlet the ball and let's go. And let's see what we can get early. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we'll settle in, get RJ the ball, and run some of our uh, ball screen stuff. So maybe that's what he's alluding to. But I agree with you. If it's it's not that, I mean, it's pretty much clear and defined. It's RJ. And, you know, if that's not clear now, it'll make itself clear over time. And, and that's an interesting segue into the next uh, little piece where we talk about newcomers affecting play t- playing time and departures affecting playing time. It's essentially the same we talked about last week with RJ. Seth Trimble is the newcomer affecting playing time, and Kerwin Walton and Anthony Harris are the departures affecting playing time, but they really don't, <laughs> ultimately. Um, but what's interesting is I'm really interested to see um, like when Seth and RJ are on the court together, how does it play out? When Caleb and Seth are on the court together, how does it play out? And so I, I just think that is going to be um, something we're just not, I mean, we can make all the guesses in the world and, and conjecture and ask Coach Davis, but uh, until we actually see the product on the court, there's not going to be an answer to that. Yeah, absolutely not. I will say, i give you a prediction. Uh, Do it. I've, with Seth on the floor, I think he's going to be playing the two. Uh, if I'm sorry, if it's RJ and Seth on the floor, I think Seth is going to be playing the two uh, because, man, he's bigger than I thought he was. Yeah. And, yeah, RJ is naturally the one. But, golly, Seth posted a picture with him and Vince Carter, and he's every bit as big as Vince Carter. And so that really kind of took me for surprise. And I could even see when it's Caleb and Seth, I can see Seth playing a lot of the two. Um, and that may change, you know, moving forward because Seth's obviously going to run some point for us. But my prediction is that he'll play a lot of two and play off yeah. the ball. And, and that would give him some more time to get settled in too, to what to the offense and, and what to do. And then maybe as he gets settled in, maybe move him more to the one and, and let those more experienced shot makers take off and do it from the two position. Absolutely. So. Pack, let's let's look uh, quickly here at a floor for this season specifically for Caleb, because um, obviously his freshman year is far and away the floor. So uh, this year's floor and this year's ceiling. Yeah. So this year's floor to me is second team All ACC. Like that's, okay. in my opinion, the worst we can have him do and still be a national title contending basketball team. Yeah. And and I mean honestly, he's shown. He's a probable first-round pick in the NBA draft moving forward. He's he's you know, a big-time scorer. He's a big-time playmaker. He's big amongst fans. And so, to me, second-team All-ACC is the absolute floor we should get from Caleb. Okay. What about the flip side of that? Man, if, if he just balls out this year, I you know, I, maybe the lottery is a potential. But if he just balls out, what does that look like on the NCAA level? No, well, it looks like ACC Player of the Year. I mean, to be honest with you, um, and you know, maybe this is the homer in me. I don't know, but uh, I think that we have the two players most likely to be ACC Player of the Year, and that's Caleb Love and Armando Baycott. Um, yeah. And then you know, obviously, if he's if he's ACC Player of the Year, he's probably first team All American, maybe Absolutely. second team. Yeah. Uh, but but if we get that from him, I mean, golly, if he's ACC Player of the Year, then that means we're winning the national title because we're getting <laughs> that from him. I mean, honestly. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, and the only the only issue there would be if Armando and Caleb's votes cancel each other out for ACC player of the that's year. So. But that's just that's just semantics of voting. So whatever, those two dudes are going to be ballers and get all sorts of conference and national recognition. Take that to the bank. Speaking of which, let's make some bold predictions about Caleb Love for this season. Pack what you got. So my bold prediction for Caleb is that he plays himself into a NBA draft lottery pick. That's that's what I see uh, just with his I, – I see him increasing his consistency, his decision-making, see another boost in shooting percentages. And um, just with his height and with his build, I think NBA teams are going to jump all over him. What about you? Man, I, for me, I think he the, – the, the weaknesses we've been talking about, I think this is the offseason – he, he figures that out, realizes it, and puts it all together because I think his ability to be a decision maker, his dis, uh, ability to have that consistency that we've talked about today is, for me, Carolina's biggest X factor. It's not Puff Johnson off the bench. It's not the freshman. Uh, it's not Baycott because Armando is insanely consistent game in and game out. I think we're going to get a very consistent year from R.J. Davis. I think um, def- defense from leaky is the same game in and game out the yeah his offense might change but ultimately for me caleb's ability to be a a 90 percent of himself or better game in and game out is the single biggest factor in north carolina reaching their highest potential and biggest dreams this season and if he's able to do that they can win one more game than they did uh at in april last year and that would be huge and so i i think we see that, but those are the things we're excited for. You've you've talked so much about his growth and what that is, and and I think we're just both on pins and needles for that. Any any final last thoughts, back? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll say this. You know, Dean Smith, when he established the culture in North Carolina's program, it wasn't built, you know, really on wins and losses, but about the development of people and wins mm-hmm. and losses were a byproduct of that. Yeah. And man, I just think Caleb is really the perfect example of that. Like. Yeah. It feels like we've had him longer than just two seasons, to be honest with you. But he's just grown so much as a person, and I think that's pretty evident. We can see that through him uh, on the court and, and off the court. And uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about that and excited to see him continue to grow both as a person and as a player. Man, that, my friend, is a great final word on our Caleb Love 2022-23 season preview. Love it. Thank you so much. And that is it for today's episode, friends of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow's show, our first ever talk with Jason Jordan, Sports Illustrated's Director of Basketball Recruiting, who's joined the Carolina, uh, the Carolina, the Locked On family. And uh, we're talking about Gigi Jackson one last time. We got to tie a bow on that whole thing and then put it to bed. Done and over. But looking at where does Carolina go after the Gigi Jackson news? We want to thank you for hanging out with us today. What a great conversation. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Smash the like button. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Caleb Love. Leave some comments. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHeels. You can follow the man Pack at Coach underscore K23. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. You can get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen today. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of the ACC take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. We're so grateful to you for spending part of your Wednesday hanging out with us, talking about Carolina basketball, talking about Caleb Love, and we want to remind you, 
that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. What do you think, Pack? Until tomorrow? Peace! <laughs>